We're looking on Sunday evenings at the whole concept of great words in Scripture. And we've covered a lot of them already. We've covered quite a few. Total depravity. Um, really, total depravity, it, it takes place like on a battlefield. Because when Adam disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, he set himself up as an enemy of God. The bitterest of enemies of God. That if he could kill God and remove him from the throne, he would have done it. So the word total depravity, it represents our life on a battlefield. And then we looked at grace. Grace is the, remember Mephibosheth with King David? He was um, a grandson of Saul, son of Jonathan. And David took Mephibosheth, who couldn't do anything, didn't deserve it, hadn't earned it, and brought him right up to his table and fed him from the king's table and all the supply of the king. Grace, God's rich, undeserved love for us, almost like it takes place at the the dining room table where the master says, yeah, you don't deserve it, but come eat and fellowship with me. And and then we looked at imputation. It takes place like in a bank where we've got a debit side that is full of sin and enmity against God. And all of that gets lifted up and placed on Jesus, on his account, and his righteousness, when we trust him, gets placed on our account. So it's a banking word. And we looked at regeneration. Regeneration, it takes place in a birthing center at a hospital. New babies being born. The moment we trust in Christ, we become a new creation. It has never been around before. Instantly, a new creation. Filled with the Holy Spirit, a child of God. These are, aren't these great words? They are just rich. Imputation. Oh, we already talked about that. Reconciliation. I'm going to get there soon. Reconciliation, it's enemies being made friends. It's almost like a living room scene where you sit down and You can have fellowship again because you're at peace instead of at odds with one another. But the word tonight, the word tonight is redemption. And you know where it takes place? Really, it takes place in three places. In the marketplace, at a slave auction, and in a prison house. And it's a great word. It means to be set free, to be redeemed. Listen, we have a lot of names for Jesus that we love, right? He's our beloved. He's our groom. He's our Lord, meaning he's our master, we love the word Savior, don't we? One who saves, one who rescues. Jesus, our Savior, we love it. But probably the most precious word that I can think of for my Savior, it's Redeemer. Because Savior is one who saves, but the Redeemer, the whole word Redeemer, it means something was purchased. There was a cost involved to rescue us out of sin, and our Savior paid it all. So Redeemer That word redeemer, it just means the cross, the price that Jesus paid on the cross. Phenomenal. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time in the song. And we love singing about our Savior. We love singing to you the praises of our God, our our King. Lord, we need you. Every hour we need you. You're our righteousness. So thank you that we can sing to you. We can pray to you. We can study your word The Holy Spirit can speak to us through your word and convict us and challenge us and build us up. Father, thank you that someday we will be in your presence, in the very presence of your son, Jesus. We will look into his eyes. We'll see the twinkle and the spark as his eyes light up when he sees us, and we'll feel the strength of his hand as he embraces us. We'll we'll hear the depth of his voice when he says, Well done, welcome home, my faithful servant. We'll see the smile on his face. We're longing for that day, Father. You are so good to us. We don't deserve any of this, but you have rescued us and redeemed us from the worst. We praise you. We love you. We thank you over and over and over again. In Jesus' name, amen. So,
I'm basically going to give you some groups of four to remember. Think about things in groups of four tonight. Ah, sorry, four, four, and three. So it's going to be four, four, and three tonight. Four, four points, four things to think about. Um, to begin with, the word redeem, it means this. It means to set free by the payment of a price. Right? To set fee- free by the payment of a price. It's a word that was used, as I said, in the marketplace, specifically in a slave auction, and also in a prison to be set free from captivity. Um, in, in the ancient world, listen, we have no concept of what it was like in biblical times. In biblical times in the ancient world, men, women, and boys and girls most often were, were slaves, and they were bought and sold here and there. You could become a slave a number of different ways. First of all, you could be born in slavery. Your parents could be slaves, and they had you while they were slaves, and so you're simply a slave because you were born that way. You could also legally become a slave because you went into debt and you couldn't pay it. So now you owe a great sum of money, and you become somebody's slave until you can somehow pay yourself out of it, which generally wouldn't happen. Or in a battle between kings and armies, you could be taken captive by the conquering king and you would be carried off as booty, and you would be sold to the highest bidder as you stood there on the auction block with a chain around your neck, and you would have a big placard, and it would say your, your age, your uh, weight, your uh, abilities, natural talents, and most often you were standing up there naked so everybody could see if you have any defects or not, and you would be, sli- you would be sold. And then you would often go one ger- generation to another. So if your master died then the new master, would, you'd simply become their property. You could Listen, you could never get out. You were a slave. You were somebody's property. You had no will of your own. You had no rights of your own. You couldn't just go anywhere, do anything, say anything, buy anything. You had no freedom. We don't even comprehend that, do we? We, we don't know what it's like for us in this church. How, how slavery was the heaviest burden and weight. But that's what the ancient world was like. In the Roman Empire... Close to 40% of the entire population were slaves, owned by somebody else. Now, there was a few ways you could get out, two particularly. The first way you could get out is if somehow you had saved enough money. How you did that, I have no idea. But if you could save money and eventually buy yourself out of slavery, but that didn't happen very often. The other way, the more common way, was if you had a kind benefactor, somebody who actually cared about you and thought, this person needs to be released from slavery, they would come up with the redemption price, they would pay it, you'd get a manumission, either a felt cap or some type of piece of wood that would, that would say you are set free. Now, can you imagine if you had been a slave all your life and somebody found favor with you and said, I will pay your purchase price, and then I will set you free. Never again will you become a slave. Never again will you go on that slave auction standing up on one of those blocks. You are free forevermore. Can you imagine? You would get that felt cap or you would get that piece of wood that said you were released. You would treasure that, wouldn't you? We have been released from the slavery of sin, and you know what? It becomes, we just, we get so used to it, we don't even realize what Jesus really did for us, how much it really meant, how much it should mean. Well, that's the idea of slavery. Now, let me give you the first. There's a number of words. I'm going to give you four words in the Greek that 
the word redemption comes from. The first word is agorazo. All right, agorazo. It comes from agora, the Greek word for marketplace. It simply meant to purchase anything. You go down to the marketplace and you buy anything, you just redeemed it. It didn't belong to you, and now it does. It was once captive on a shelf or it was hanging from a pole. You bought it, you now have redeemed it. So it simply means to purchase. It is used here. Take your Bibles, go with me to Revelation 5, verse 9. Here's a, you know, we have a little song time tonight. We're going to sing this song in the future, Revelation 5, 9. Here is the word agarazzo in the scriptures. Revelation 5, verse 9. This means simply to purchase something that at one time didn't belong to you, and now it does. Revelation 5, verse 9. Here we are. We're up in heaven. All right, you guys, I'm going to try to give you as much as I can in 20 minutes. You have to picture in heaven, right now, there's a throne. The very center of heaven is a throne. All right? And Jesus Christ is seated on the throne like a jasper and a sardius stone. Reuben and Benjamin, the first and the last boy of Jacob, they represent the Jasper and the Sardius. Reuben means, behold your God. That's um, the humanity. Uh, behold your son. And then Benjamin means son of my right hand, the deity of Christ, humanity of Christ. Oh, it's a beautiful picture in Revelation 4. Around the throne are four living creatures. They're bowing before the throne right now. 20 to 7 in Central Standard Time, the four living creatures are before the throne singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Isn't that incredible? And then around those four living creatures, in another circle around the throne, is the redeemed church, the New Testament church. And they're bowing before the Lord, singing praises to him at different public worship services. And behind them are all the multitude of holy angels. All right, so you have another multitude of holy angels. And behind the multitude of holy angels, you have all creation. Sun, moon, stars, spinning planets, trees, waves, oceans, everything. To the glory of God. It's a phenomenal scene, isn't it? Everything, just worship is everything centered around Jesus Christ. Here's the song we are going to sing someday. And they, they sing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. All right, that's the cross. Our songs in heaven are cross-centered. And secondly, you have redeemed us. You purchased us to God by your blood. So it gives us the purchase and the price. The price was the blood. The actual thing is we, were, we belonged to Satan. We were children of wrath, dead in trespasses and sins, and we were purchased out of that to God. What a great word, agarazzo. So it simply means to make a purchase for something, and that's what God did for us. The second Greek word is ex agarazzo. So ex, you know, like exit. Ex means out of. You want the exit? Go out, right? Out of. So ex agarazo means you purchase something out of something else. It was used specifically of the slave market. You would go in and a slave was on an auction. Okay, let me tell you. You guys remember Hosea? Hosea and Gomer? God told Hosea the prophet, Hosea, I want you to marry a woman who is a harlot. And she will have children of harlotry. Hosea said, okay, I'll do it. So he marries a harlot. And sure enough, he has a child with her. And then she has a child with other men. So they have children of harlotry. Gomer is an unfaithful woman. She's always going around different houses all the time. He's trying to keep her home. He tries. In chapter 1, he actually builds a hedge on the property. So she has to climb through a hedge of thorns, and she still does and escapes. One night, Hosea realizes as he wakes up, my wife is gone again. 
She was home. We were sleeping. Now she escaped. So he went, and he found out where she is. This is in chapter 1. And he dropped off on the doorstep of this man's house bread and oil and, and some provision. He knocked on the door, and then he went off and hid. She went, and she got the provisions because she was a starving harlot, and she didn't even realize her husband's being that kind to her. She, does she deserve it? Has she earned it? No, she hasn't at all. She runs, she runs, she runs. Finally, one day, she's been missing for quite a while. Somebody says to Hosea, this is chapter 3, Hosea, we saw your wife, Gomer. Oh, where is she? She's down at the Agora. She's at the marketplace. She's standing up on an auction block. She's being auctioned off as a slave. Can you imagine? He's just demonstrating grace upon grace upon grace. You know what Hosea does? He, he goes and he takes 15 shekels of, of silver and he takes 15 shekels, 30 altogether, and 15 shekels of barley and an ephah and of other things, puts it all together. He goes down to the marketplace and says, I want to buy her. I want to buy this ragged used woman named Gomer. And he purchases her out of that ugly mess and brings her home. Isn't that amazing? What a picture. So the word exagarazo, it means to, to take out of the slave market completely. You're no longer there. Um, take a quick look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. This is the word ex agarazzo. So we saw agarazzo in Revelation 5 saying that we've been purchased. Now we've been purchased out of slavery to be set free. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Here's what God's word says. Christ has redeemed us. He has purchased us out of the slavery of sin, and he has now set us free to something else. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, right? We were cursed because we sinned against God, and therefore all creation's cursed. Jesus became a curse, and he hung on the tree. Do you see why the early church, had, the Jewish people, had such a problem with the Jesus? Because anybody who hung on a tree would be cursed of God. How could their Messiah, whom they would worship and love, be cursed by God? How could God curse their Messiah? To them, it was a stumbling block. They couldn't figure it out. But it's true. Christ hung on the cross, and he became our curse so that we could be free in Christ. Amazing. We were purchased out of the slave market, and then we were set free to something else. Galatians 3.13. Well, there's another word. This word is latruo. Latruo, and you find it in... Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. The third Greek word, 1 Peter 1, 18, says that we've been redeemed. It's not, it's not talking about that we've been bought, all right? It's not even talking that we've been bought out of something. This is more the price that was actually paid. So Latruo means to set free, to deliver from captivity through a price. Something, it, there's got to be a cost involved. 1 Peter 1 gives us the cost. Chapter 1, verse 18, 1 Peter 1, 18. Knowing, I want you to know this, everyone, verse 18. Knowing that you, right here in this church, who trust in Jesus, were not redeemed. You were not set free by a purchase price with corruptible things like silver or gold. All right. Hey, where do silver and gold come from? The earth. 
And when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, what was cursed? The ground. So anything that comes out of the ground is cursed. It is corrupt. And Peter says, listen, you guys, you are not purchased and set free out of the slave market by this tremendous price by things that were corruptible like silver or gold from your aimless conduct. Aimless conduct, that's your slavery, the bondage that you inherited from another received by tradition from your fathers. But verse 19, here's, here's the, pay, the purchase price. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Listen, you guys. You and I have been rescued from the slave market of sin. God loves us and purchased us. And then he takes us out of the slave market. And then thirdly, the price that it took to get me out of there was the death of Jesus Christ. His blood had to be shed for me. It's not that he came and lived in a body and dwelt in a body, fully God, fully man, and he lived a good, holy life. That did not save me. What saved me is he died in my place. You guys, do you, can you think about this? On the cross, Jesus was crucified at 9 in the morning, and for three hours, from 9 until noon, the sun is shining, the streets are noisy, people going to Passover in Jerusalem, they see these crucified victims and they're spitting on them. They pick up rocks, just whip rocks at them and cut their bodies open even more. They, you could go up and you could slap them in the face if you even wanted to touch a cursed man hanging on a cross. Um, they were, it was a frightful gory, awful scene. Birds and insects flying around, ready to devour and pick out the eyes and, and eat off the skin and the hair. It just Crucifixion was horrid. It was horrid. You have the soldiers gar- bartering for the garments, and you have those chief priests and scribes taunting Jesus. Come down from the cross. You delivered others. Deliver yourself if you can. It was just mocking after mocking. But at noon, Matthew 27 says, darkness covered the earth. This is dark, but we've got lights on the corner. We've got lights on the, in the traffic. No, pitch black. And from noon until three, it's dark. I don't think you could see anything. I think if you tried to light a match, it wouldn't even shine. It was that thick of a darkness like in Egypt in those plagues. For three hours, what was happening? All of our sin was being laid on Jesus, and he was separated from God the Father. They had never known a moment of separation, did they? Did God the Father and God the Son ever have a moment of separation in all eternity past? Never. But there on the cross, whatever it would take for an eternity of hell and torture to pay for my sin, Jesus paid it. That was the ransom price. The ransom price was God the Father turned his back on what for us would be all eternity. Do you know how long eternity is? I try to tell my students at school this. If the entire earth was made out of grains of sand, like beach sand, the entire earth, and a bird flew from outer space and picked up one grain and then flew back to outer space and deposited and then flew back to the earth, they fly pretty slow, and picked up one more grain and put it out and then came back to the earth and picked up one more grain of sand, after the entire earth is gone, that's still not even eternity. Eternity is forever. Whatever my torture and torment in a lake of fire would equal for all eternity, Christ paid that amount. Can you imagine that? So when we talk about redemption, we are talking set free, like exhilarating, exceedingly joyful, running around, shouting and saying, 
I've been rescued. I've been redeemed. I've been purchased. It's far greater than if you had been a slave for 50 years and finally set free. That would be nothing in comparison to being rescued from eternal punishment because somebody paid the debt on the cross. It was Jesus. Isn't that phenomenal? All right, so that's, that's the idea. It's a purchase price. We've been purchased by the precious blood of Christ, which was without spot and without blemish. What a price. And then there's a, there is a fourth word in the Greek. It's, it's tied to this word. It's apolutruo. Apo means away from. Oh, okay. Hey, you guys. Hey, are you with me? On the day of resurrection, it's an interesting word. The angel came down and moved the, tombstone, the stone away from the tomb. And they would normally be rolled on a track that would go right against the rock. The, the Bible word says the angel took the stone away from the tomb. So the whole stone that would take many dozen Roman soldiers to lift and some type of lever pulley system, the angel just simply picked up and moved. So when the women came to the tomb, it's like it's just not the tombstone was just rolled away. It's like the tombstone was away from the tomb. It was, it was, it was gone and gone and gone. Pretty awesome. So that's the same prefix, apo, lutro. It's found in Romans 3.24, if you could just go there for this verse. And then I'll give you one more illustration and a few quick applications. Romans 3.24, it's the word apo, lutro, which means, hey, you guys, it's not just a price was paid for you, but it was a price that was so thorough and complete that you are set free for an incredible future. Your destiny is locked up with incredible joy and bliss. It's that kind of fullness. I don't even know how I can explain it. There's not a word to say the happiness at the right hand, Lord, joy forevermore. But like whatever that is, we get. All right, here's what uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 24 said. I better get there myself. Romans 3, verse 24. Of course, verse 23, you know, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely. It's unearned by his grace. It's all undeserved. Through the, here it is, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This redemption, it's a purchase price that is so thorough and complete that we have this eternal life and eternal hope and eternal relationship and eternal riches, joint heirs with Christ forever. And we have no clue. Listen, you guys, if God could take this church right here, right now, right now, and bring us to heaven and let us walk outside uh, in heaven in the new Jerusalem of, Revel- of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24, and said, okay, you guys, you can run around for one minute, but be back in here because we're going back to earth. So we get to run around heaven and see our Savior for one minute, and we come back, and we, we just get an experience of life without sin and the presence of our Savior. Would our lives change? Oh, you bet they would ch- you guys, we would not be the same tomorrow morning when we wake up. It wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, it's another day. It would be like, we've been, we, have a, we have a message to tell of a great rescue. If, if God could take this church and put us down into hell, the lake of fire, that nobody's at yet, the Antichrist and the beast are going there, then the devil's going there, then unsaved men and wicked angels are going there. But if we could be brought down to hell and we see the flames around the windows... And then God says, all right, I'll give you five seconds out there, and that's it. And we just peek our head out the door to experience hell for five seconds, and then we get safely back in our pew chair, and he brings us back to earth. Would we change? Oh, you bet we would. You guys, we would change so quick. But it's true. It's all right here, and we have it. 
All right, we do. We have it. All right, so give me, there's a Hosea and Gomer, trying to say it all together. Hosea and Gomer is a great picture of redemption, isn't it? But there's an even greater picture. It is Ruth and Boaz. So I'm going to take you quickly one more text, the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. Maybe the greatest picture that God gave us of redemption. Because it tells us how somebody can be redeemed, and I can tell you this, Jesus did all of it for us. So you know the story, Naomi and Elimelech have gone in disobedience to Moab, Elimelech dies, the two sons die, now she's left with two daughters-in-law, Orpha stays back because Ruth convinces her, go and worship your own pagan god, don't come with me, I'm disappointed with my god, oh, my life's been tough, I've been afflicted, and then she wakes up and realizes God's working anyways, and then next thing you know, Ruth and Boaz are beginning to meet. It's a great story. I'm in Ruth chapter 4. Here's the picture of redemption. It's called a goel. A goel would be this. If somebody was destitute, they were in poverty, they lost their possessions, and now they're, they're headed to slavery or in slavery, their nearest kinsmen could bring out the purchase price and rescue them from their, their despised situation. But it had to be a near kinsman. It just couldn't be a good friend that says, oh, man, I really like Ed and Tracy, and I want to rescue them, so I'll do it. No, we had to be blood. We had to be family. Had to be a kinsman. So Naomi's lost everything. She had to sell everything, so she has nothing. She has, she's, she's destitute. And the property that she used to own is floating out there, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to go on the market. She, she's got to, she, she's going to need to get it back. So in chapter 4, now Boaz went up the gate to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative. So there's the Goel, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. Verse 2, he took 10 men of the elders of the city, said, sit down here. So they sat down. So now he's got an audience of leaders at the city gate. So he said to the Goel, the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. All right, so Naomi sold it. It's not hers anymore. It belongs to somebody else. You all agree? Okay, she needs to get it back. Verse 4. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, see that word redeem, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am next after you. Oh, so there is a closer relative than Boaz, but Boaz is number two in line. So if number one doesn't fulfill all the qualifications, it'll go to number two to redeem. So the man said, I will redeem it. Well, then Boaz throws this out. Verse five, on the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. All right, so he would have to marry Ruth, okay? And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. All right, so then there was a custom about taking off your sandal and um, giving it to the other to confirm your agreement. All right, so here are four things to be a goel that you had to be in order to fulfill this transaction. Number one, You had to be a near kinsman. You had to be a blood relative, all right? Boaz was. Number two, you had to 
be able to pay the price. All right, so you had to have enough resources of your own to make the actual payment. So if the property was $10,000, you couldn't just have $8,000. You needed to have more than $10,000. You, you had to be able to pay. So you had to be a, a near kinsman, and you had to be able to pay. Third thing, you couldn't be in debt yourself. You couldn't be in slavery or bondage to somebody else yourself. A slave could never buy another slave out of slavery. You had to be free yourself. And number four, you had to be willing. This man wasn't willing. He had the ability... He was a near kinsman, but he had to be. But he was he wasn't willing because it would ruin his inheritance. Yes, Tom. What's that? Yeah. Oh, you got it. Oh, praise God. Yes. See, and our Savior fills all of those. Okay, first of all, is he our near kinsman? You bet. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Hebrews chapter two, verse fourteen, it says that Christ took upon Himself. He became a partner, koinonia, with us. So he, in flesh and blood, became a joint partner with us in humanity. He was fully man and fully God, yet, it says, without sin. All right? So he, he is our near kinsman. Secondly, does he have the ability to pay? The payment for our sin is blood that was perfect, precious blood. Did he have the ability to pay? You bet. He was able to pay, with, but it would cost his own blood, meaning he'd be separated from the Father for the entire payment. Third, he couldn't be in debt himself. Was Christ in debt? No. Nope. He knew no sin. He had no sin. He was without sin. First uh, Peter 2, verse 22 says, Christ, who knew no sin, was neither defiled, did not revile when he was defiled, did not threaten when he was um, threatened, but rather committed himself to his Father who judges righteously. So he, he is our nearest kinsman. He has the ability to pay for our sin. And then um, he doesn't have any sin issue himself, so he can freely pay it. The last thing, is he willing? Oh, you bet he's willing. What a willing Savior. He, he knew what he was going to do. Listen, you guys, Jesus didn't get a slap on the hand. He didn't like have to pay a penny on a dollar. He paid the full price. Whatever that is, that would be an eternity in hell. Whatever God demanded because of our sin, Christ paid it all. He, he is definitely willing. I love Hebrews 10, verse 7. Jesus, when he came into the world the first time, he said, Sacrifice and burnt offering, Father, you do not desire, but a body you knit for me in my mother's womb. You knit my body together in Mary's womb. And then he says this, Then I said, this is Jesus speaking, Then I said, Behold, in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will. He was willing. He came to earth willing to die. How many sacrifices in the Old Testament were willing to die? How many sheep were willing to die? How many sheep lined up and said, me, me, I want to go next? No, you had to pull them. You had to tie them on the altar with cords. Psalm 118. I mean, there was no sacrifice that was, who wants to die for somebody else? Jesus came when we were dead in sin Separated from him when we were without strength, still in sin, he died for us so willingly and lovingly. Isn't that great? So when we sing about our Redeemer, he is a precious Redeemer. The price has been paid in full. Wow, praise God. Listen, don't neglect your salvation. Don't think light of it. We have been rescued in a great rescue. Um, 
quick application. So you and I, we are slaves of sin. We are born that way. We are born with the sinful nature, passionate about sinning. But Christ, who is rich in mercy, purchased us out of that slavery of sin and out of the hands of the devil, brought us into his family. But listen, he set us free never to go back to the slave market ever again. But he doesn't force us to serve him, does he? Does he force us to serve him? No. Does he want us to serve him and love him? Does he want us to present our bodies as a, as a willing sacrifice? You bet. He doesn't make us, though. Can I tell you something? Most Christians are not willing to give the Lord a, a bit of their life. Maybe a little bit. Lord, I'll add you a little bit here and there, but don't mess around with the rest of my life. It's for me. <laughs> Wrong attitude. It's all for Jesus. Everything, right? Everything. Everything. Wow, what a, what a Savior. Father, thank you for our time together. Just some great singing, a re, a reminding ourselves of our salvation and our Savior, our precious Redeemer. Thank you, Father, for this great word, which just, it pictures a slave market. In the, in the marketplace, slaves on an auction block, they're being purchased and set free. Can, I can't even imagine how 